Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Now, these past few weeks, we've been blessed with the extraordinary teaching of Minister Baltimore Scott and Minister Cassandra Lenoir. Now, they have taught us so much that will lend to this particular series. The title of this series is Watch Your Mouth. Now, we will learn that no matter what we want in our lives, no matter what dreams we pursue, no matter the positive changes that we may want to occur, none of these things will happen if we do not watch our mouths. The last time we were together through scripture, I established that we are made in the image and likeness of God as his creation, and especially (laughs) once we become his children, we must be extremely mindful of our words. As his creation, whatever we want to accomplish in life is voice activated. Now, again, we're blessed being members here at CCC New York because we are privileged to be and be a part of this ministry and be in particular involved with (laughs) the teaching ministry of Apostle Frederick Casey Price. There are so many places you, and, and when you go and visit, you see it. There could be just an expression that's said, a word that's spoken, where people are ignorant of the word of God and what it truly means. We are, ex- we, we're just so blessed. I, I cannot even underscore that enough. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is that since we are in this ministry, that if you just open up your heart and receive the word, there's always some kind of nugget that you can take here with you, a nugget of wisdom that you can take out of here that's going to make a difference in your life. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Minister Scott gave us such a nugget when he taught us that the promises of God are all voice activated. Even non-believers know this, and we talked about this before, because you can go up to a non-believer and say, did God say, let there be light? And they can all say, oh yes, he said, let there be light, and light was. So even they recognize that, and they're not even Christians. As a matter of fact, it's important to know that God never does anything without saying it first. And every single person that's here has been and will continue to be affected by words. Why is that? Simple, because that is how God himself designed the system. Every born again believer is a new creation, a new species as a result of your words. Turn with me to Romans 10. We're all familiar with Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's how we all accepted Jesus. And the last time we were together, I gave you multiple translations. But today I'm only going to share the Amplified with you. And I'm going to back it up to Romans 8. Now, the reason why, well, I'm not Romans 8, Romans 10, the eighth verse. The reason why I'm sharing this with you out of the Amplified, as I shared before, the, the only reason I give you different translations is not because I'm trying to stand up here and make it sound like, oh, I can read a whole bunch of translations. That's not it. Even last Thursday after Bible study, someone came up to me and acknowledged that 
certain translations minister to that person more than another one might. And that's the only reason I do it, because I want you to get clarity, because it does not do any of us any good to just hear some words and we don't really, it's not ministering to us, it's not clicking, we don't quite know what it means. In all of our getting, we must get understanding. So that's the only reason why I do it. So I'm going to share this with you because I think this is so perfect. And I'm backing it up to verse eight on purpose. So Romans 10, starting with verse eight out of the Amplified says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word. Now I've said before, the Amplified gives you qualifiers as to what it means. So what does it mean when it's saying the word? Here's the qualifier, the message, the basis of faith which we preach because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord here's the qualifier recognizing his power authority and majesty as God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart a person believes here's the qualifier in Christ as Savior not just believes that he exists but believes in him as savior. That is a distinct qualifier resulting in his justification. What is justification? That is being made righteous, being freed of the guilt and sin made acceptable to God. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses. What is his confession? His faith openly resulting in and confirming his salvation. I submit to you that is a lot more plain and clear and descriptive than just if you read it out of some of the other translations. Amen. So that's why I shared it out of that one. Now, something that is critical for every believer is that your salvation doesn't just end there. It's not just merely a decision and that's it. It's just the beginning. And there's so many rewarding things that we have to look forward to as long as we operate our lives and and take the word of God and apply it to our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And I gave you some other scriptures to look at. I will be frank with you. It would be best if you could get the CD, the first one from the series, because I gave a whole lot of scripture and there's absolutely no way I can go over all of that so that we are able to move forward. But one of the things I will share with you is Romans 8. So turn with me to Romans 8 and we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. And I'm going to share that out of the New King James Bible um, because I want you to be able to see this because as I said, we know that we are made in the image and likeness of God and we ought to operate as such. And Romans 8 verses 14 and 17 tell us that. And it says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, God always uses his words very carefully and specifically. And as his children, heirs to his kingdom, we must learn to do exactly the same thing. That's why we have to watch our mouths. Now, I also shared with you, and this bears repeating, so this is why I'm going to do it. We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. There's a specific, specific reason as to why. The book of Psalms is very unique. First of all, it is the longest book in the Bible. 
And <laughs> it's across a period of several centuries, when you think about it, which is quite a bit. And it was written by many different authors. The distinct thing about it that I really like is the Israelites used parts of the book as a hymnal in worship services, which means they used it, what? As a form of praise. We already know that praise does what? It stills the avenger. When you're in the middle of something, sometimes you can be in the middle of a challenging situation. If you just take a minute and praise the Lord, it stills the avenger. I like to think of it for any ladies who've ever had um, children. If you've been blessed to actually give birth to a child and you have those wonderful labor pains or contractions, God in his infinite wisdom gives us a break. Actually, seriously. I mean, you could be having a, a contraction that you just feel like you're going to go through the roof and then he gives you that lull period, that little time where you can just kind of take a break before another one hits. Well, when you're in the midst of a challenge, you can do the same type of thing. Just praise the Lord. It allows the enemy to just kind of freeze where he will back off and you can just get yourself together and continue on in the journey. So anyway, I really happen to like Psalms for that. Besides the fact David appears in 73 of the 150 Psalms that are in the book. That says a lot because we already know that David was a man after God's own heart. But what does that tell you? He spent a lot of time doing what? Praising the Lord. So we're going to spend quite a bit of time there. Um, it's also one of the most beloved books of the Bible for a specific reason. And the reason is that it expresses the thoughts about God that many Christians sometimes feel in their own hearts, but they just don't seem to be able to put it into words. You can find it in Psalms, and I think that's wonderful. The other book that I mentioned that we're going to be spending some time in is Proverbs, and this book is filled with wise sayings and observations on life, and it's all designed to motivate us. Now, <laughs> the book of Proverbs is one of three books in the Old Testament classified as wisdom literature. The other two are Job and Ecclesiastes. All three books help us with philosophical issues such as the meaning of life and behavior that leads to happiness and contentment in daily life. Because how many of us know we need instruction on how to navigate this thing called life? And especially if we want to be happy and we want to be content, we need that. Well, Proverbs is filled with that. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. Uh, most of it is actually written by Solomon and he is known for his wisdom. I also shared with you last time how some people say, well, why are you telling us about Psalms and Proverbs? That's the Old Testament. We're over into the New Testament. We don't need all that stuff. And I shared with you how there is wisdom. If you sit and you talk to somebody who's 100 years old, they should be able to tell you something that you may not have heard if you're 35. Even if they are not the most astute, they've lived longer. So there's something more that they're going to be able to impart to you than you at 35. Well, the Old Testament is giving us guidelines and things that help us. So there's no need for us to just forget about it. Then the other thing that's so important, and I, and I mentioned this before as well, the people in the Old Testament, excuse me, were very clear on their belief and their love of the Most High God. They were not distracted with a whole bunch of other things. They did what God said and they were devout with it, not devout looking at what other people thought. They meant it with their hearts. One of my favorite stories is the story of Meshach, Shadrach, 
and Abednego because they refused to bow down to that king. They knew they were going in the fiery furnace. How many people nowadays, if you said to them, okay, you're going to go over here and we're going to literally kill you and burn you up, would be willing to say, no, I will not do what you're asking because I love God that much. I submit to you, you'd be surprised how many Christians would not do it. They'd be backing away, okay? But those boys, they didn't. They loved God that much. They were that devout. So therefore, I say to you, the reason why those scriptures in the Old Testament we can learn something from is because why do you think God put it there? He didn't put it there just to fill up the book and make it bigger. It's there for us to learn something and we can glean something from that. And then I shared with you a lot in Psalms and again, you really need to get uh, the CD, but I will share this with you. Psalm 19. Because as believers, we need to be very, very careful about how we even begin our day. And the thing that I like about Psalm 19 verse 14 is it's showing us exactly how we need to even start every single day. If you look at it in the New King James Version, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I love it what it says in the, easy to read because it says it this way, may my words and thoughts please you. Lord, you are my rock, the one who rescues me. We know we want him to always rescue us, but do we ever stop to think about the words and, that are coming out of our mouth and even the thoughts that we have? Shouldn't they be pleasing in his sight? We need to think about that. And then I talked about, um, if you go, I'm going to give you some of these things. You can jot them down. Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. This talks about how David actually prays and asks the Lord to help him with dealing with people that he knows are acting as enemies toward him. And he does not want to treat them and choose the same types of tactics that they are against him. He doesn't want to do that. So he's actually asking the Lord to help him. You will find the answer right there. Psalm 141 verses 3 and 4. Then also you can look at Psalm 39 verse 1 because it talks about how we don't ever want our mouths to actually cause us to sin. Then you could look at, since you're all in Psalm, Psalm 34 verse 1. And this I think is really good because it's reminding us that we need to keep our mouths filled with praise. And I spent quite a bit of time talking about if you've ever been in an encounter with a coworker or a supervisor or somebody at your job that's making your job extremely uncomfortable where you really just don't even want to go to work sometimes. And how do you feel with that? And what are you supposed to do if you're governing your words? What are you supposed to do with that? How are you supposed to handle that? It's one thing for me to tell you, oh, yeah, you're supposed to do it. Well, how? So turn with me to Psalm 17. And I'm going to share this with you because I think it's important. So we're going to look at it. This is a prayer written by David. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 5 first. So Psalm 17, verses 3 to 5. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to share it with you out of the easy to read. The easy to read says, you were with me all night and looked deep into my heart. You questioned me 
and found that I did not say or do anything wrong. Unlike most people, I have obeyed your commands. So I have never been like those who are cruel and evil. I have followed your way. My feet never left your path. Now drop right down to verse 10. And here I'm going to, yeah, I'll keep with the easy to read. Verse 10 says, they think only of themselves and brag about what they will do. Now, I want you to really think about if you are in a situation or you have ever encountered a situation with someone who is talking about you or who is making your life hard or who is a supervisor, somebody, a co-worker who is just really, really hard to deal with. These are the kinds of things that they do. They sit up and they're talking about themselves, especially if it's a supervisor. They will sit up because a lot of them can come across very egotistical. They usually have the large office somewhere and they're sitting there and they're just constantly bragging about all the things that they're going to go out to lunch and they'll go out to lunch for an hour and a half and they expect you to do everything in a half an hour, all these different things. So while you're still in Psalm 17, look at verses 13 through 15. And in the easy to read, I'll just stay there. It says, Lord, get up and face the enemy. Make them surrender. Use your sword and save me from these wicked people. Use your power, Lord, and remove them from this life. But as for the people you treasure, fill them with food. Give them plenty for their children and their grandchildren. I have done only what is right, so I will see your face. And seeing you, I will be fully satisfied. And if you look at that same verse 15 in the Living Bible, it says, But as for me, my contentment is not in wealth, but in seeing you and knowing all is well between us. And when I awake in heaven, I will be fully satisfied, fully satisfied for I will see you face to face. Now, this psalm, the reason why I shared it is because... He actually is asking for deliverance. Now, we who are believers already know deliverance is part of our salvation. But you have to remember in the Old Testament, David was not already saved, but he still was looking to God for his deliverance. And what was he doing in this psalm? He was bringing back to God's remembrance how he served him, how you, he could search. God could search David's heart even in the night while he slept and could see that there was nothing wrong in his heart. He didn't have any evil that he was trying to plot against anybody. And he was asking God to please help him and rescue him from this current situation that he's in. Now, the reason why that's important to me and the wisdom that's in that is because we are living in this present day time. There's all kinds of things going on that people don't like. People aren't necessarily happy with what's going on with what's going on in the complex that they live or in with their job or with whatever. What does this tell us? This tells us we need to go to the most high God and ask him to work it out for us. But too often we're so sophisticated and we're so smart and we think we have so many answers. We don't think to go and ask him to show us and ask him to help us and ask him to deliver us. We figure we can plot and scheme and use our academia and figure it out. And that's the difference between us and the difference between David and more importantly, and we really talk about this on Thursday night, it's the difference of when you're putting on the armor which is the word of God and finding the victory that you need so therefore you might want to go ahead and do that it's also critical because you can say things with your mouth this is very important that can release words Satan will use against you to destroy you it's what I call the boomerang effect you can sit up 
and you can talk about other people. You can put all kinds of stuff out there with your mouth that you know is not right, but you do it anyway, that thing is gonna turn around and come right back on you. And that, the word even tells you that you're gonna reap what you sow. So it's not my opinion, it's a fact. So again, we have to be careful of some of the things that we're saying. Also, one of my favorite things to do, and I share this with people all the time, is sometimes you need to learn the language of silence. Because you see, silence, People can, in fact, misinterpret the fact that you're being silent, but they can never misquote you because you're not saying anything. So sometimes you need to just be still. Okay, know that he is God. He will be exalted among the heathen. He will be exalted in the earth. Just be still. You don't have to always say something. Okay. Now, I know all of these little things, and this is exactly where we left off. I know that a lot of these things are not easy to do, even though, you know, sounds like it. It's not. But so does your heavenly father. He knows that. So turn with me to the book of James. And we're going to spend a little time here. This is the book of James, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 26. James 1. James 1, verses 21 through 26. Let me know when you're there, because we are going to really spend some time here. Okay, great. So starting with verse 21 out of the first chapter of James, in the New King James Version, it says... Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Now, I'm going to press the pause button right there. Too many Christians are hearers of the word. They hear it. They're at every single Bible study. They're at every single worship service and praise God. That's a good thing because if not, they might not be hearing the word at all. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to apply it. I'll give you this example. Most of us have a toothbrush and toothpaste. I would like to hope and think that we do. Okay. Most of us have that. You can get it from the dollar store. It's not a big expense. However, if you do not go in the bathroom and put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and put it in your mouth, it is not going to help your breath situation or your teeth or anything else. You have to use it. Would everybody agree with that? So it does not do us any good to hear the word and just hear it and leave it there. We need to pick it up, apply it to every single segment of our life to be able to have the victorious overcoming life that God intended for us. So that is, and the word is telling us that. It even says that if we don't do it, what? We're deceiving ourselves. That's not me saying, it says it. So pick it back up at verse 23. But if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. For if anyone among you thinks he is religious, and we don't like the word religious, it's in here, because to me, I don't like it because religious is really a form of bondage as far as I'm concerned. Okay, but we'll go with this translation for now. Okay and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Now, we'll look at this in the Living Bible. So get rid of all that is wrong in your life, both inside and outside, and humbly be glad for the wonderful message we have received, for it is able to save your souls as it takes hold of our hearts. 
And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen. So don't fool yourselves. For if a person just listens and doesn't obey, he is like a man looking at his face in a mirror. As soon as he walks away, he can't see himself anymore or remember what he looks like. But if anyone keeps looking steadily into God's law for free men, he will not only remember it, but he will do what it says, and God will greatly bless him in everything he does. Anyone who says he is a Christian but doesn't control his sharp tongue is just fooling himself. And his religion, or what I would like to say, is his relationship isn't worth much. Now, the thing I also like, because all of these translations talk, talk about when you look at yourself in the mirror and you walk away and you don't remember it, you know, and then you're going to have some people who are very astute and go, I remember what I look like when I, you know, when I walk away from the mirror. I know people think that, but think about it. No, you don't. Because if you did, why is it when you get to the next mirror, you're checking yourself again? You're checking yourself again in the next mirror because you really don't remember every detail or you just want to make sure, wait a minute, is this curl laying just like I thought? Let me just check it again because you really aren't remembering and we don't want to be that way when it comes to the word. That's why if you notice, all of these scriptures are also talking about it getting into our heart. When you're looking at yourself in the mirror, it's not really reaching your heart. You're just trying to check yourself out to make sure, you know, everything is straight. But if you're dealing with the word, when it gets into your heart, that's when it affects your belief system. That's when your faith can grow. And we already know that faith is what? The currency of the kingdom. So we're going to look at James. We're still in James 1, verses 21 through 26. I'm going to give you the easy to read version. It says, so get rid of everything evil in your lives. Every kind of wrong you do. Be humble and accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts. This teaching can save you. Do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you are fooling yourselves. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing is like, here we go, looking at your face in the mirror and doing nothing about what you saw. That's even worse. You, you go away and immediately forget how bad you looked. I didn't say it, it's in here, okay? But when you look into God's perfect law, see again, that's why I like different translations. It can be comical. But anyway, but when you look into God's perfect law that sets people free, pay attention to it. If you do what it says, you will have God's blessing. Never just listen to his teaching and forget what you heard. You might think you are a very religious person, or I'm going to paraphrase and say, have a wonderful relationship with the Lord. But if your tongue is out of control, you are fooling yourself. Your careless talk makes your offerings to God worthless. Amen. Now, lastly, I'm going to share it with you out of the message. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil. Notice the wording used there. Cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out of the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, 
is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. That, to me really speaks volumes. I really, 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 really like that. So I submit to you that one of the biggest challenges with watching our mouths is that we have to adjust our thinking and alter the words from our past. That's really key. Another great point that we learned from Minister Scott when he taught was that we are familiar with the past. We have just gone through it. There is always comfort in something already known, whereas uncharted territory or something totally new can be quite uncomfortable. Think about it. You might be vying for a new promotion at work and you go ahead and you receive that promotion. You still have a lot of butterflies in your stomach. You still usually are a little uncomfortable because it's in a different section of the company that you're working for. The surroundings are new. The people in the department are new. Sometimes they may even send you to a totally different building. So you're not, you, you know, your first week maybe, you're not so super comfortable. You're a little uncomfortable because it's not something you're familiar with. Another example is a mother going into labor to deliver her first child. You can read tons of books. You can go to classes, all of that. Been there, done it, it's a wonderful thing, but let me tell you something, it's a lot different than what those books say and what those classes tell you. You let those pains hit you and Lamaze, you wanna tell him something else, okay? <laughs> it is not at all what you think it's going to be. It is not comfortable, trust me on that. Whereas, if you're having child number two, three, four, or five, true, every pregnancy and every delivery is unique and different, however, it's familiar to you. You kind of have an idea of what to expect. So it's not as unsettling or as uncomfortable to you. Another thing is when these precious new parents bring that first child home. <laughs> they have no idea what to expect. They've read all of this stuff and they think they, and it's so cute, bless their hearts. They sit there and actually watch the baby sleep. You know, you'll have somebody wiser tell them when that baby sleeps, you need to go take a nap. Oh no, oh this child is so precious. And they will not sleep, they'll just sit there and watch them. And then do you know they have some who are foolish enough to go wake the child up just to play with them, okay? After they, when baby number two comes, that's out the window. <laughs> that's the thing I love about those loves commercials. Yeah. You know, they make it like, oh, the first baby, they do everything. The second baby, you know, they'll hand them off to anybody. <laughs> it's totally a different scenario. Okay. The great news is that even though we cannot see the future, as we can remember the past, which is comfortable, we, and this, write this down if you're taking notes, this is precious. We can activate our future with the word of God. Amen. I love that. Amen. We can activate our future with the word of God. How? How can we do that? Remember what I said before? The promises of God are what? 
Voice activated. So if there's something that you're believing for and that you want to occur in your future, speak up. Anything that you want in this life is in your mouth. All you have to decide is what you want life to be and watch the words that come out of your mouth. Your words help to to shape your entire life. Think about this. For those of you who are married, how does marriage start? It starts with words. You said, I do. You made vows and your life changed forever as a result of the words that you spoke. Your children, for those of you who either are parents or who you could be parents, grandparents, you could just be keepers of children. You know, you watch children. You do the words that you speak will literally completely change their entire life. That is why, and, and I can't underscore this enough, if you do have children who are still in school and you are the caretakers or the guardians of those children, be plugged in. Don't let people speak things over your children and you just sit there and go, it's okay. Okay? I had a son, and I think I shared this with you before. He was going into second grade, and he was always a very active young man. Okay? Not active where he was misbehaving and naughty and, and doing things, but he was just, you know, like if they were reading, he'd be, if they're reading on page three, he's already on page five because he already read three, four, and five. You know, he was active. And that technically annoyed his teachers because they wanted him to sit with his hands folded and be controlled. See, one of the things that I love about some of our Jewish brothers and sisters is they know that there's a difference in being able to teach females or, you know, girl children opposed to boys. They separate them because the way in which they learn is totally different. So if you're sitting in a class of 25 students and 20 of them are little girls and they're sitting there with their hands folded and they're happy and you have five boys and the teacher has no help, she's going to be annoyed with those little boys and she's going to automatically start labeling them all kinds of things in her mind and sometimes in her words. And this goes on to administration and I had them tell me my child couldn't go to second grade. I'm like, you must have lost everything. What do you mean he can't go to second grade? We want to put him in some kind of transition transitional class. I'm like, what are you talking about? Now, transitional was like, I guess, a form of special ed. Special ed. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think all education at any level, whatever is best for you is what's best. But don't buy into whatever they tell you. And right now, they got initials for everything. They got ADD, ADHD, AD. I mean, they ha- you need a whole dictionary just to understand all the stuff they're trying to tell you. So I sat there and I'm like, first of all, you, he's going to second grade. I don't care. Whatever you all are talking about, it's not happening. If I have to come sit in the class with him he's going to second grade that's not an option okay come to find out what the real challenge was was like I said he was just active he was actually a little bit too smart for them and they just didn't know how to control it but you see if I would have been a parent who just sat there and didn't pay attention to the word what did the word say from the time this child was born I gave him to God when I held him and I knew that he was supposed to be operating with the mind of Christ I knew that he was supposed to have everything he grew up on the word before he he was conceived because of the word. He was a birthday gift to my husband. Oh, I'm trying to, I'm serious. 
this. All I am trying to tell you is that I knew I was not accepting anything other than what the word of God said. As parents, you are your child's best advocate. Don't allow these schools to just run roughshod over you. Well, this same child, not only did he go to second grade, not only was he successful all through school, he graduated Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University on the dean's list. However, his future could have been totally different if I put him in that class and let them keep imparting words into his life that did not line up with the word. You must do that. Even if everything seems perfectly fine and normal, you are the one who may have to go up to the school and say, no, I'm not having that. I did that with all of my kids. They started right now. Everything's different. But back then, because my kids are older, they had they decided that they were going to teach homosexuality freely in the sixth grade. Now, now I can't even imagine what they're doing. But back then I said, no. I will teach sex education to my children and they are not being exposed because they had textbooks with pictures of the act of homosexuality and they were telling the kids this was okay. I'm like, no, it is not okay to me. I had to literally wrestle with the state of New York because it was a mandated course. I said, I am a Christian. It is not mandated to me. They are not going. I had to wrestle with them, write a letter and do everything else because my children went to the library when that was taught because I was not having them in that class. All I'm trying to tell you is you have to make sure that you take the word and apply it, whether it's school, whether it's job. There's a way to do it in decency and in order. Everybody loved me. I didn't get ugly. I was very clear. But the rule book and the final authority in my children's lives was the word. And you have to get to that point and you have to do it that way. Also, finances as a believer. We already know that we've been what? Redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. So if that is the case, why is it that we don't seem to have the money that we need to do the things that we want? Why is that? What I'm saying to you is money is in your mouth. You need to speak. See, we think that it's silly because this is what the world teaches. We think it's silly to open up our checkbook and see that the numbers in there are not what we want and speak to it and say, checkbook, uh-uh. Angels go and bring forth the money to me because this balance is not the one that is acceptable to me. I am not going to be broke ever again in my life because Jesus went to the cross. Blood bled out of his hand so that I would have what it is that I need. So I am not accepting that. But if you sit there and you just, oh, I guess we don't have the money, you know, then you're not because what are you saying out of your mouth? Every time you say we don't have it, you're not going to. So it's up to you. It's not up to God. God has done all that he's already going to do. It's up to you. So it's what you're saying on a daily basis that's going to make a difference with what it is that you have. Now, it's even been proven helpful that police officers wear body cameras so that we can kind of see what they're doing because there's been some questionable activity that's been going on. Okay. And the body cam kind of, you know, it shows us, it reveals the action. Well, I submit to you that if you take Take just one week, okay, just from now till next Sunday, and pay attention to the words that you speak, you would be amazed. You would literally be amazed. Because I'm going to ask you, do you ever find yourself saying things like, you might have had a long day at work, 
The trains were acting crazy. You got home two hours later than you planned. Do you get in the door and say, I am so tired. Okay, now you can sit up there and act like you don't say it. I've said it, okay? And I have learned that it is better, even though I may be so tired, I could barely move, but to say, Father, I thank you that the joy of you, the Lord, is my strength. It's different than to say, oh, I am so tired. Okay, another thing, you might go into one room and you have every intention of going in there to pick up your keys to go somewhere. And... <laughs> This is cute, but it happens. You can get to the room, and honestly, if you're being authentic with yourself, don't even remember what you went in there to get, okay? And you might sit up there, oh, somebody else, okay. <laughs> okay, and then you might say something like, I can't believe this, I can't remember anything, I am so forgetful. Okay, well, if you say that, let me tell you, you're gonna start walking around all them rooms and not knowing what you were supposed to do. Okay, and here's another one. This one's really priceless. Because, you know, people can be special and we love them and we try very hard. But we'll say something like, oh, that got on my last nerve. <laughs> you know? Or, oh, you are just getting on my nerves. <sighs> that used to be one of my favorites. You are getting on my nerves. And then I had to turn around and say, Father, I thank you that I have temperance and long suffering. And you might have to say it like that, like I'm really pulling out. <laughs> OK, but it's still better than saying you're getting on my nerves. Be careful. You have to. But see, we're all chuckling because we know deep down in our spirits and our heart. We've said these things. OK. Another one really priceless is my son and daughter just can't stay focused. Oh, my son and daughter just can't stay focused in school. That's another one people will say, especially when you keep going. You know, the, do they still have teachers conferences? Oh, they do? Oh, I used to love those. <laughs> you go there, you know, and you're standing there forever to sit and talk to the teacher, and then all of a sudden, little Johnny, who you thought was really doing well, and, you know, his report card seemed pretty good, so you were a little encouraged, and then she's sitting there telling you how little Johnny isn't focused, and he's all over the place, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and you sit there, and faith does come how? By hearing. Not just the word. It comes by any negativity that you're hearing. So you sit there, and before you know it, you come home, and now you're telling little Johnny that he's not focused in school. So what have you just done? You've just helped the enemy because in, instead of you imparting the word into little Johnny, you're imparting whatever negativity you heard from the teacher. And I hate to tell you, sometimes the teachers are wrong. Not just wrong about your child in general, but wrong because they just look at him, little Johnny, as student number 3298, whatever. And sometimes they get this stuff mixed up. I remember going to a, a conference and they were telling me my child had a D. In science. Now, first of all, the child was on high honor roll in school. So how in the world does she have a D and make high honor roll? Because high honor roll, you have to have 90 or above. He was reading off of the wrong line. Johnson is a common name. So he just picked up line 28, and she was on line 27. But if I didn't contest it, I would have gone home and yelled and screamed and really Ooh, I don't know what, over her getting a D. The point that I'm making is, again, we have to be so careful. And whenever it comes to children, I want you to think of them like a lump of clay. That you, God has given you a precious, glorious opportunity 
to work along with him, being led by him, because remember, we are his sons. So we are supposed to be led by him to mold and shape that clay. Because children did not come here. If he is allowing you and he has entrusted you with the life of a child, even if you have not given birth to them, it could be whatever, a foster child, it doesn't matter. He's giving you the opportunity to impart goodness, to impart love, to impart grace. That's what you're supposed to do. And if you feel as if you cannot do that, then you need to ask for help. Because that Every word that proceeds out of your mouth, you are imparting it into the life of that child. I don't even know if you realize it. When you call your child's name, you are speaking whatever that name means into that child. Every single one of my children's names have a specific meaning because when I call them, I am speaking and confessing that over them. So therefore, you need to never, and when I hear anybody call their child out of their name and call them some of those things from their past that they need to forget about, some of that language, it really grieves my spirit because no child deserves that. No child is bad. They may be naughty, but they're not bad. And they're not bad because God is the only giver of life. And he gave that child life. So therefore, we need to be very, very careful about that. The other thing that I really don't like to hear, but I hear it a lot, is that marriage is a lot of work. Has anybody heard that? You have to work at your marriage? Well, guess what? I'm going to have to talk about that next time because I am out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.